Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This holiday season, your gift could change lives. Youth facing homelessness turn to Covenant House to overcome heartbreaking challenges. They arrive with dreams that have been disrupted. They arrive looking for a warm meal, a safe place to sleep, and the opportunity to transform their lives. For over 50 years, Covenant House has been helping youth in crisis by giving them the support and tools they need to succeed in life. This holiday season, give a gift that changes the lives of youth facing homelessness. Go to covenanthouse.org to give today. You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Canadian Challenge Tales. We are joined by Christina Gibson from Meadow Valley, Washington. How are you today, Christina? I'm doing well. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. appreciate you taking the time to join us from your busy training schedule and some of the tours you've been doing this year. Uh, I know you are signed up for, uh, you have a one team coming in the 10 dog with the Canadian Challenge this year and another one in the 8 dog. But I'm going to rewind all the way back to the beginning. Uh, if you can tell us about how you got started in mushing, I believe age 12. <laughs> yeah, my start into mushing was really interesting, actually. So nobody in my family runs sled dogs. Um, I didn't know anybody who ran sled dogs. I had never seen a dog team. Like I've lived in Washington my whole life. And uh, as I'm sure folks can imagine, Washington is not the place that you picture a dog team. (laughs) Um, So when I was four, actually, I watched the cartoon movie Balto. Uh, I'm sure folks have heard of it. Um, And I basically wouldn't shut up about it. Like I told my mom when I was like, yeah, three or four that I was going to run the Iditarod. And that was, that was it. Like for eight years, um, that was what I talked about. And when I was probably nine or 10, um, I was in the car with my mom and, uh, we were, you know, driving somewhere, road trip or whatever. And, uh, I started crying and I like told her that, uh, you know, I was, I was worried that my dream of running a dog team across Alaska was never going to come true. And my mom, who is not a dog fan, not a dog person, as she will gladly tell you, um, basically said, you know, kid, you have your whole life to do whatever you want to do when you don't live (laughs) in my house and, you know, you're only 10. Um, and I said, but mom, it, it's uh, not the same as if you grow up doing it. Um, and I had her there because as somebody who grew up in the horse world and competed at that, uh, she she knew that I was right, that statistically speaking, uh, you start when you're young, uh, your career is much longer, you do a lot better, and it also teaches you a lot growing up, uh, which I think most importantly, that's you know the biggest piece. Uh, so she said, we better find a way to get this kid like with sled dogs uh, and a series of events that shouldn't have, you know, come to fruition, basically just uh, 
talk to a random dog groomer that we knew in our neighborhood. Like she knew somebody who happened to run sled dogs, got connected with a race. So by the, when I was 12, I went to my first dog race, which was like a sprint dry land event. Um, so a lot of people running with scooters and bikes and carts. Um, and I was hooked. I mean, somebody let me run a dog with a scooter for the first time after the race. And I was like head over heels, like ready to go down the landslide of dog mushing. Um, and the rule at first was I was allowed to get two dogs and I could do the two dog sprint races. And that was it. Uh, No more dogs. And they had to live outside and two turned into three, three turned into six, you know, and then the, the, of course you mentioned junior Iditarada earlier to me, uh, that when I got, you know, had 10 dogs and ran junior Iditarod and here we are (laughs) nine years later. (laughs) Wow. That's not good news for somebody like me who started mushing in their late thirties, but we'll push past. (laughs) Um, you know, I want to know a little more about, uh, you know, like you said, you did the junior Iditarod in 2018 and I'm sure our fans would be curious to know how you decided on Junior Iditarod and some of the preparation maybe that you had before you went up to Alaska for it? Yeah. Um, Junior Iditarod was really, I would say, probably one of the biggest turning points in my dog mushing career. And not even, I mean, Junior Iditarod itself, but like the decision to run Junior Iditarod and what it took for me to get there. Decided to run in 2017 and I, I went to my mentor, Laura, who uh, I met Laura actually at that very first race that I had gone to when I was 12. And of course she doesn't remember that. Um, and I, I'm not surprised because I was so shy and awestruck by this. I did a rod musher. You know, everybody said, Oh, you want to run? I did a rod. You have to talk to Laura. And I was just like, I couldn't speak hardly. Um, <laughs> and so I met her several years later again at a, at another race that I was actually running in a four dog event. And, um, then she took me down the rabbit hole of distance mushing and took me out with an 18 dog team and like has basically since then guided my uh, professional and competitive racing career. And um, she, I, I was at her place in Montana and I went to her and I, I asked her if I could run junior Iditarod and so I, sorry, I had gone to, to Laura's place in Montana and she, I asked her if I could run Junior Iditarod, if that was something I was capable of getting ready for and doing. And she said, yes, it would take a lot of work and a lot of commitment and I would need to run other races to get ready for it. And at that point, I, the longest race I had run was a 20 mile junior race. Um, and so we set up this, this training plan basically for me to run the 100 mile Eagle Cap Extreme, uh, the 100 mile junior race to the sky, and then leave from junior race to the sky and go up and run junior Iditarod. And that year was probably the toughest year of dog mushing that I had, not because it's anything different than what I've been doing since, but because I, I was a rookie and I was young and, 
um, you know, dealing with anxieties on the trail and fears of the dark. And I mean, that was a year that I really, that was a year I, I see as a, um, a significant rite of passage from childhood to adulthood. Um, I put a lot into that year. I put a lot on the line. My family put a lot on the line for me to go to junior Iditarod, you know, from the training and the learning how to run dogs longer distances and how to read my team and getting to know my dogs better and forming a, a stronger bond with them to the logistics of racing, the the finances of it. Um, you know, and then, of course, going on to Junior Iditarod and actually completing the event. I, I, <laughs> ironically, I think Junior Iditarod is, you know, I don't mean this in a bad way at all. It's probably one of the easiest races I've run because it's fairly flat. Uh, it's not horribly technical. It's a really fun race. And it's more challenging in terms of, for me as a junior at that point, I hadn't really um, you know, I'd done some camping and of course I'd run the two other hundred mile races. So I'd been in checkpoints, but it was, um, you know, an unassisted checkpoint. It was a longer stay in the checkpoint, you know, in terms of navigating all of that. But for me, it, it was the hardest that year in terms of how long, like how long the runs were. I, you know, I got the red lantern that year. Uh, that's a very special award to me, uh, because it means that I finished, <laughs> Um, because that last 75 mile run took me like almost 11 hours. Um, and it was long, it was really long. And so that was probably one of the hardest parts is staying upbeat for the dogs. And, and yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about that race, but I, I'd, I'd say that year was a very significant year for me as a person and me as a dog musher as well. Well, it sounds like you had a fair bit of help from your mentor, which I think is important for every musher starting out. Do you have any suggestions or advice for people that might be looking for a mentor on people that they should look for or characteristics that they should look for? Yeah, I think finding a mentor in the sport is really important. Uh, I think there's a lot of things that you're just, it's going to take you a really long time to figure out unless you have somebody guiding you. Um, and, uh, you know, for me in finding Laura, of course, that just kind of naturally happened. But what I what I saw in her was somebody who um, was not only doing the things that I wanted to do at a competitive level, which was important to me, right? If that's important to you, that's something that you're going to want to look for. Um, it, she had ex like paid extra attention towards dog care which was really, really important to me. Like that was a must. I liked how she interacted with her dogs. I saw how her dogs were with her. I think that's really important. And I liked her attitude. I thought she had a really good positive attitude while still being competitive, still being super friendly, like people uh, gravitated toward her because she was really fun and a joy to be around and to, like, she was just, she's just a really good person. Um, and that's all still very, very true. Um, I think the thing that really stood out to me was I had gone to Laura's kennel and I had been to other kennels that I thought were good. And, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was looking at. Right. But when I went to Laura's kennel for the first time, it kind of hit me like a slap in the face. Like, wow, like these dogs are really happy. Like it radiated from them. I like, I don't know how else to say it. 
Um, and I just remember that standing out to me so strongly and just being this like, yeah, like I just, I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, just that moment. Um, and I, so I think, yeah, like looking for a mentor and like finding those things that you like, like figure out what's important to you, right? Explore the world of dog mushing. And when you figure out what feels important and good to you, looking for somebody um, or multiple people, right? Learning from multiple people that have that. I think that is, um, I think that's the best thing that you can do. Excellent. Well, it sounds like uh, you found a really good fit. And I'm sure at some point, somebody will say the same thing about you as you continue down the mushing career. Uh, you certainly seem to have been busy in the race uh, side of life the past few years. Uh, you know, certainly in, in 2020, you did the what I call the, the Rocky Mountain Triple Crown races, you know, uh, the Eagle Cap and Idaho and Race to the Sky. Can you tell us a little about uh, that year racing? Is there a race that stood out out of those three? Yeah. So I have to give my mom some credit because technically that year I didn't successfully complete the Triple Crown because on that first race uh, at Eagle Cap, I had to switch drivers last minute, um, like like right before the race because I was really, really sick. Um, and it took a lot for me to to do that because I... I'm very stubborn and I'm very competitive and I love running my dogs. And so I, I was like, I was going to do it. And I just, I was walking through the grocery store, picking up like last minute uh, trail snacks and stuff for the both of us. And my mom was planning to run my second team in the race as well, just at a little more relaxed pace. Um, so I would have more dogs for the next two races. Um, and I was like completely out of breath. Like I couldn't, hardly walk around the grocery store and I was like I was like mom I I think I like I need you to take the race team and I need you to to run this race um and she did it she did wonderfully she finished third for her first hundred um and so so I can't take credit for that first one um but I did run the Idaho hundred and the race to the sky hundred and I mean race to the sky is my favorite race I I love that race. I think it's one of it's a, it's a technical trail. It pushes you, which I love. It it's it's a beautiful trail. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. They call it the race to the sky. And the first year I ran it as a junior, of course, I was finishing much later, uh, you know, than I do now. So I actually got to see some of the trail in the daylight and just the the sun coming up over the mountains. Like it was just like wow. Like there's there's a reason this race has this name, and so. Uh, that year running uh, Race to the Sky, that was really special. Um, yeah, yeah, just an incredible race. Excellent. And then, um, you know, last year you had uh, a really busy year as well. You know, you're in stage stop. Um, and I want to hear lots more about, um, you know, how you decided on stage stop and, and what that experience was like, sort of transitioning from a mid-distance style race to a stage race yeah it was awesome I clearly because I'm going back again this year um but it it was it was a really interesting learning experience and for me my you know kind of how I think about racing and my professional career and being a dog musher and all of that and what that means to me um is learning from different aspects of 
the sled dog world, right? So like if you stay in your own little pocket and you run the same races, uh, you know, the same distances, like those kinds of things, like you're not pushing yourself to learn more, right? You're staying in that little pocket. And so um, Stage Shop was a way for me to really push out of my comfort zone into a race that like I knew my team wasn't going to be competitive in right like my team is good at what they do and what they do is not stage stop <laughs> um you know the stage races are really different and so for them it was you know kind of a like a just a push for all of us right for the dogs and for me in terms of pushing out of something that we were familiar with to something that we weren't um it's also great training for the rest of our races like i live in washington um as we've said and so you know, or sometimes we have too much snow or it's really wet. And like, you know, I enjoy running in difficult trail conditions, but there is a point here, like right now we're struggling to just like keep the trails open for training while getting in our last little bits of, um, you know, training for races this season. And so, uh, like stage stop is a really great way to basically get eight solid days of really good training that like pet the dogs up, like they're racing. They think it's super fun. Um, before we hit our other races, um, you know, as it was demonstrated last year, uh, I planned my season carefully and with race to the sky as my focus, uh, we hit race to the sky right after a stage stop and ended up winning, uh, that hundred mile race, which was really special, uh, for me and, and the team. Um, but stage stop. Yeah. Like it's also got this incredible team of vets, like really knowledgeable. They come from all over. Uh, same with the race officials. Like a lot of them are mushers that come from different backgrounds, uh, distance racing, you know, mid distance, uh, more sprint stuff. Like it, it just varies. And so uh, there's just so much knowledge there and so much knowledge from your fellow competitors, right? Like you, are with these people, like everybody is together for eight days, like solidly. And so the conversations that you have, um, you know, the learning experiences, the learning while racing on the trail is just incredible. Yeah, I, it's it's incredible. Excellent. So as you said, you're planning Stage Stop again uh, this year, which is coming up very soon. Uh, and you're also uh, coming up to see us for the Canadian Challenge. Can you explain a little about what attracted you to come north of the border to see us in Canada for the challenge? Yeah, so <laughs> it's kind of a it's uh, it's a funny story. So I've been trying to break into the two hundred and three hundred mile races for a couple of years now, and in two in twenty twenty, my plan was to actually run the triple crown, and then. And then, oh, excuse me, next year, the 2021, my plan was to run the Triple Crown again, and then that would set my team up to come run Canadian Challenge. And of course, that was the year that I signed up and we couldn't come because everything was shut down. And so this year, I actually, uh, I was planning on running two teams in the 100, um, and I was thinking about it, and I was looking at our races, and you know, I was kind of pushing the 200s and the 300s out to next year. And I was looking at it and I was like, man, like the team should be ready. Like <laughs> the races kind of set us up perfectly uh, for a 200 mile run. And so, uh, yeah, I'm pleased to have moved one of my teams up to the, the 200 mile event. And 
you know, I've heard so many great things about that race, um, just from a lot of different people from Laura, Laura has run it. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was a race she really enjoyed. And so it's, it's been on my list. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to be bringing the kennel up this year. Well, we're certainly excited to have you and uh, we're certainly going to have uh, some good competition and some other mushers to learn from in both 10 dog and, uh, and some of the other race formats that we have. Um, I do have a social media question for you. This comes from Jenny Ross and she wants to know about your most magical experience you've ever had mushing. And that could be racing or a training run or any sort of experience you've had with the dogs that you would find to be magical. There might be a I few in your highlight reel, but <laughs> one that you could share. I'm sure our fans would love to hear. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to have to name my most recent one. Of course, as, as you said, there's, there's a lot and, you know, you've been running dogs. I've been running dogs for nine years now. And so of course those pile up, but uh, the most recent run that was just incredible um, was this last year's race to the sky. Um, I had some really special dogs on that team, uh, farce I have to name and her brother bogus who were creeping up in years and, uh, that they've, they've won that race before, but not with me. And so it was my first win and their last, uh, you know, run. Of course, now the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows farce has come back out of retirement. So that wasn't necessarily true. But at the time, that was, you know, the knowledge that I was going in with. And that whole, the whole run, the whole race was just magical. I mean, the stars were beautiful. The mountains coming out of Whitetail, which is the halfway checkpoint, were just stunning. I mean, the whole thing was was it was magical it was magic and the dogs the way that they were running was magic and uh you know the the connection that we had in racing and when I got to the finish line I didn't know that I was in first place um the the team ahead of me actually uh they they had taken a wrong turn um and So I had no idea, like I didn't see them at all. And so I was racing my heart out. I mean, we were, we were going for it. And, um, and I was having a great time just being in the zone with those dogs. And I mean, the morning was, was gorgeous and it was cold. And, and so then getting to the finish and, and finding out that we had come in first was, you know, just kind of put the, the cherry on top, so to speak. So I'd have to say that run was pretty, pretty dang special. Nice. So you talked about two dogs, Farce and, and Bogus. Do are you getting most of your dogs, are you raising them yourself? Are you getting them as puppies from other kennels? Are you, you know, bringing in adult dogs? How are you getting most of them now? So uh, when I started as a junior, of course, uh, I started getting some older dogs. Um, and when I met Laura, I got some dogs from her that, you know, weren't quite making her team. Um, and then after, after junior, I did a rod, uh, I'm going to say it was around 2020, um, Laura retired from dog mushing, um, and her competitive racing career. And when she did that, 
she gifted me the core of her competitive race team, um, which is the biggest honor that I have ever been bestowed. To be gifted a musher's docs is to be given part of their heart. And um, so like Farce, Bogus, and Psych um, were part of of one of the best litters of dogs she's ever had. And uh, so that's kind of, you know, some of the crew that I've got out there. But uh, in 2021, Psych uh, I bred psych to a dog I have from Jesse Royer and, uh, they had a, my first litter of pups. And so now, um, I've, I've started my own breeding program and plan to continue, uh, breeding my own litters of puppies. Well, it's such a, such a great gift and a symbol of the trust that obviously Laura had in you and your ability to look after those dogs and, and give them the best. <laughs> Um, we always know that it takes more than just a musher and some dogs to do this. So I wanted to give you a chance to thank anyone that's helped you along the way or helping you now along with dog mushing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, there is no way that I could do this by myself. That just would not happen. (laughs) Um, of course I have a lot of support from my family. I have to thank my mom. Of course she, uh, hasn't missed a race ever. Uh, and she's the best handler that I've got. So thank goodness for that. Um, and uh, my partner Aiden is running dogs again this year as well. And so I really have to thank the both of them for, for getting out on the trail with me and, and making sure it all gets done and helping train dogs and puppies and, and all of that. And of course, I mean, Laura's advice and help despite the fact that she's retired uh you know it's it's funny she she retired but now she's still she still has to be involved in helping me um and it's a it's a great gift to have uh her along for the parts of the ride that she's willing to come on um and of course jesse royer i i can't think enough Uh, i've got some yearlings that i'm training for her this year. So that allows me to fill out my race team so that I, you know, I keep a really small kennel. Um, of course, dog mushing is very expensive. So having those extra dogs to train from Jesse, uh, is really, really helpful in making, you know, the races that we want to run. So yeah, I, I, it's definitely not a lone venture. Can't do this alone. So I'm very grateful for all the folks that have, uh, helped me along the way. Yeah. I always say that it, it takes a, a small army to keep a dog kennel going with all the racing and travel and looking after dogs at home um, which is great that you have a lot of people to help Uh, for anybody that's looking to follow you along on your race journey this year and into the future what's the best way for them to follow you and and um, and how you're doing on the races yeah uh, instagram is definitely where you're gonna find the most Uh, our handle is whiteout racing and uh, we also have a facebook page as well if you look up whiteout racing kennel you can find it there and uh, our website is whiteoutracingkennel.com excellent i'll make sure i include that in the show notes below for anybody looking to follow along uh, with christina i really want to thank you for uh, joining me today. It's been a pleasure learning more about your kennel and how you got started. And we're really looking forward to seeing you in February. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And we are, I, my mom and I were talking about it uh, yesterday and we've both decided that the challenge this year is the race we're looking forward to the most. So we're very excited to meet everyone and come up there and, and race with y'all. 
Well, we're very excited to have you along with uh, a couple of our sponsors, uh, you know, Adventure Destinations and Baldwin Feeds leading the charge with those. Uh, you know, we're really excited to have, you know, um, mushers coming up and especially good to see uh, some younger mushers like yourself that are going to be coming as well. We do have uh, a junior musher uh, that's going to be participating in her first race um, as well. So I'm sure she'll be looking for some experienced mushers to learn from as well. To everyone listening, thank you so much for coming along on today's uh, adventure. And until next time, thanks again. Goodbye. From First Paw Media, this is Canadian Challenge Tales. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Dan Kirkup. Our executive producer is Robert Forto, created for First Paw Media. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. It's time for the Make the Holidays Bright sales event at your local Ford dealer. Get special offers on our adventure-ready Ford SUVs or on our great selection of Ford trucks. Choose from a large inventory of Ford vehicles equipped with technology, space, and flexibility for any season. And let Ford make the holidays bright, bringing everyone together. Visit your local Ford dealer today during the Make the Holidays Bright sales event.